it took me a few minutes because I had to get Stevie to set this up for me. And she's like, yeah, I got it. You stupid idiot. <laughs> I, can, I can explain to you all the lobes of the brain and how they operate, but I can't turn on a microphone. <laughs> all right, so here we go. We interrupt this episode of the We and Me podcast to bring you a special report. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. I'll let you get back to your episode in just a moment, but first we had some exciting news to share. Our friend and fellow mental health advocate, Melissa Boyle, has her book, Geek Magnifique, available for pre-order on Amazon, so don't forget to go check it out in your Amazon app. We will be releasing a special episode of the podcast on Thursday, December 6th, in the very early morning hours for those of you in the U.S., for our friends in the UK who listen as well. You'll hear about Melissa's book, her process, and life with OCD and emetophobia. Hey everyone, it's Erica again from The We and Me. We wanted to thank you for joining us on another episode of The We and Me podcast. Today we're really excited because we actually have Kevin and company from Twitter, and we actually got to meet them up in Barrie, Ontario for the event that we had done with April a few weeks ago. Hi, Kevin. Hi. How's it going? Good, good. Yay. <laughs> it's, always, it's always good when people are doing good, you know? <laughs> yeah. We can appreciate that, especially when there's frustrations and struggles going on. And for those of you who don't know, Kevin on Twitter is at one little pill. We had previously given them a shout-out on our Canadian episode of the podcast, and this is who we're talking about. So thanks for being on. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. So today, I don't know how many of you are familiar with Kevin and Company, but today we're going to be talking a little bit about DID and how Kevin's system works, because for those who don't know, Kevin is transgender. So his system operates differently because they all have very different gender identities, correct? Yeah, different so you, identities, different sexualities, different everything. It's very complex and difficult, so yeah. I'm sure I can't even begin to imagine because I know that we have some differences and complications with that. And my system, while I believe is a little bit larger than yours, there is less complication in that regard for us. So I wanted to know if you could go ahead and kind of talk a little bit about that. You don't have to use your yeah, first names sure. if you don't want to, but go ahead and just discuss that a little bit. So yeah, there's me. I'm non-binary, so I, I go by they or he. So I just kind of am myself and not really attached to a gender per se. And then um, Daniel and Cole are male. You know, Cole is asexual. And so he has different struggles in that way. Bree's female, as well as my two kids, uh, Jennifer and Mouse. Bree has a similar sexuality as me, so we're pansexual, so we go for anybody, honestly. It's about the personality and not really about gender. And Ed is sort of a version of me, so he doesn't really fall into the sexuality part. We're all just so different, and it's just really hard to manage, especially with different partners, different friends, different interests. It's kind of a lot. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about how you all together structure relationships? And by that, I mean, I'm going to get a, perhaps a little bit personal. I'm wondering if you involve yourselves in monogamous relationships to where you find someone that you can all agree on, or which I imagine would be almost impossible. Or do you do more of a... I lost the word. Poly, thank you. Good Lord, yeah. I couldn't find the word. So um, are you more of a polyamorous system? 
Well, since since I've discovered that I have DID, I have not been with anybody. Okay. Uh, but before then, parts definitely had their partners. I've discovered Brie was my first alter that I discovered, and she definitely had a bond with somebody. We were in monogamous relationships. We're kind of in the middle. If it feels comfortable in monogamous, then that's fine. But if I've done polyamorous relationships where previous partner had a, a longtime partner, and that was fine. So it's kind of very fluid in my head with with that and sure. with my identity and with my sexuality. So everything's sort of like doesn't really matter. It just if it feels right, then that's fine. I guess it's hard to say if parts have... I guess all I know is that Brie had a partner and that was her partner. I'm not particularly attached or I am attached to that person but not in in the way that Brie was sure and so that's all I can say about that I think no that's fine and absolutely don't overshare if no one's comfortable with that I think that's just something important to have the audience understand. And I think that's another piece. So for those of you who follow along on our blog, you may have seen that we spoke with Brittany Simon and she's she's a YouTuber and she discusses some about her own mental health and discloses some of those things. But she also talks about polyamory and BDSM. And I think that that's something that people need to kind of understand a little bit more. So polyamory, that, that doesn't mean that you're you're cheating on your partner. That doesn't mean that if you date someone with DID that they're cheating on you. There's a construct to it. It's a structured relationship between multiple people. So do you want to do you want to share a little bit more about that? Can you yeah. explain what that means to you specifically or to your parts? Well, to me, that was more of the recent relationship I was in. So for me, it was, all right, my partner has their partner. And that's fine. And they work together and they're together and that's awesome. But we would have times where, you know, it's me and my partner. So that, I guess, person person A has two partners and I was part, person C and they had a partner B. So right. it, it just worked out. We had, you know, sort of times where me and my partner would hang out and it would be our time. So it just... You have to really talk about things. Yes. There's nothing, you can't really get away with not talking about it. Right. Communication uh, is absolutely key in those types of relationships. And I yeah, think that that's true so for any you, relationship. You meet them. Yeah. yeah. You have to really be honest. What it is that you need, what it is that you expect from the relationship, the different boundaries that need to be put into place between partners. So part, like you had said, partner A and B, but then you were partner C of partner B. And then the others need to be aware of that. Now, here's my other question. Before you were formally diagnosed, was this something that your parts or alters? I don't remember what term you use, apologies. It's kind of a fluid thing, right? Like whomever yeah. you're talking to, you'll you'll adapt to that language. That's what we do a lot as well. We prefer the term parts for my system. But when we're speaking to other people with DID, we adapt to the language that they're most comfortable with which you'll see is just a respect thing and often largely what you find within the DID community. In regards to the polyamory, is that's just something that we see a lot. And then as well as an overlap in the DID community, one of the biggest things that we talk about with people is the importance of open communication, despite it being difficult and the, all those different things. But is it, so before your diagnosis, was this something that your parts would have disclosed to somebody else that you had DID? No, they would disclose their needs okay. in their way without saying they're very good at pretending to be me. 
Right. So without showing that they were themselves. So Mm -hmm. Brie would tell them, sometimes this is what I want. Or sometimes this is, you know, if I give you the okay, you know, because I am trans, you know, there's a lot of boundaries and things like that. And because of having DID, there's a lot of boundaries. Brie would definitely say what she wanted. Right. She would sort of have a way to, to let the other person know. But that's how I figured out that I had DID was through my relationships. Oh, interesting. And because she would do things that I didn't particularly want, but I knew that I had let them. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of that. But yeah, I guess my parts have sort of gotten what they needed out of certain things. Right. But without, like, in a stealthy way. Sure. Yeah, and I absolutely get that. It's a very strange thing to live with from time to time because you'll hear from different things. And then it's it's just interesting what you had said about kind of realizing certain things because of partners in, in relationships and that. Recently, it was I think about a month ago, one of my parts had found another podcast that was shared with us via somebody in DID chat. Using, using the hashtag on Twitter, people use hashtag DID chat and it occurs every Tuesday in the afternoon, at least in the afternoon on our time. And someone had shared a podcast on there and they sent it to us because they thought we would find it funny. And as we were listening to it, Jinx had pointed out to me, she's like, I actually know who's doing that podcast. I was like, what do you, what do you mean? And she, she had gone to one of our photo albums and she pulled out a picture and she's like, that's, that's him. We dated him. I was like, oh, really? (laughs) She's like, yeah. And because they had retweeted something or liked it or whatever it was on Twitter, he had reached out saying, whoa, I didn't know that you listened. And then he had seen our Twitter. So because he didn't know I had DID and I had no memory of him whatsoever. I remember. So in the sense that if he were walking down the street and I had seen his face, it would have been a deja vu sort of memory. So I could I could identify that he was familiar to me. But not that we dated, and certainly not that we dated as long as we had, because, and then through speaking to him, and I'm, I am certain that it freaked him out some, and it also made unfortunate sense to him, I'm sure, given some of the timing of when they dated him, specifically one, perhaps two of my parts. But that kind of speaks to the potential for a polyamorous relationship within DID, and that's not our relationship right now. My parts, speaking of the majority, they don't date. They have no interest in it, which is why our system just works a little bit differently than others is because my parts don't have that need. There's not that need for people within most of my parts. They don't desire connection. They could care less in most instances with very few exceptions. But that is why myself being married right now works out because it, just, it doesn't matter to them. They don't have different needs speaking to that sort of a relationship. But I think it's I think it's interesting too. So can you for people listening who don't have a vast understanding of some of the terms that we're using when you're explaining your parts, can you go back a little bit and discuss some of the differences between their sexualities? So the definitions of pansexual, for example, for people okay. who don't know. So pansexual is somebody who is attracted to any gender, so not necessarily male, female, in between or outside of that gender spectrum. It's kind of personality first, right. definitely. I like and the way then you the rest that. Yeah. just falls into place. Sure. Yeah. Perfect sense. And again, for some of the people who are listening that don't have a, a great understanding of this, are you comfortable explaining a little bit about being transgender and then what that's like for your system as well? Because as you stated, some of your parts are female. 
Yeah. It's kind of complicated. Absolutely, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of talking about things. I guess what had happened, and I can share this because I think it's so fascinating, is okay. so I finally, I'm, I'm trans, so I, what I want is to look more androgynous. I want my voice to drop. I don't want to look like a man, however, but I want to look in the middle. I want people to be sort of using female or male pronouns depending on how I dress, not because of how my face looks or how my voice sounds. Okay. That's how the gender feels comfortable for me. I recently got on hormones. I'd been through a period where I wasn't talking too much with my alters. I went to the pharmacy and I fainted. I fainted. I smashed my head on the, you know, on the chair. It was like I blacked out. I don't remember it at all. And I felt really, you know, dissociative and fuzzy. I don't remember the night being in the ER too much. They were checking for everything. Everything was fine, you know. So that was a red, red flag. And I sort of mentioned it offhand to my therapist. And she said, have you talked about it with your parts? And I said, no. And I later found out that Brie, who is my age, so she's 25 and she's female, she didn't know that I was going to be on hormones. Like oh, she just okay. obviously, she just did not know. So she's not mad. We've talked about it and we've talked about ways that she can navigate with, you know, a cha- like the body is changing and I'm telling her that. So, right. you know, keeping open communication and just making art about it just helps me. This is like a little thing of just talking about it and finding compromises that sort of work for everybody so that everybody is just on board with it and there's no surprises you know because that that was a little wake-up call for me like I need to talk to my alters for sure because I can't be blacking out and hurting myself you know right no not a good thing no not at all absolutely yeah the the open communication piece is such such a big piece of living with DID and I think think too when you break it down and you consider it you you do build through therapy and having communication with your parts your alters you do build relationships with different ones can you talk a little bit about that within your system because i know that we were discussing that on twitter is that there are different relationship dynamics within your system yeah so brie is Bree's interesting. <laughs> she's a, a little extra in every sort of way, but she's extra. she takes her main role is being a mom to the two kids. That's her job, and she takes care of them very well. So much so that those two were almost the last ones that I've discovered uh, because she protected them. Right. It's weird because the kids have written to me, so I keep a journal that I'm their father figure, like I'm, I'm taking care of them too. Okay. So I didn't know that. And so we have this weird relationship where like, I know Brie and like, we, we get along and mostly and trying to, you know, take care of the kids. But then she's also sort of seeing another alter, okay. like Daniel, but the kids are sort of, they've never met Daniel. So there's this like very fragmented sort of weird way that things work in my system sure so those are the people that know each other i guess and cole is a teenager and he's more of my friend and my buddy 
than a sort of a brother relationship. So, sure. and then Ed is just not in the family tree. That's like everybody's sort of connected in a way. Yeah. Sure. And no, you explain that well. I think it's important for people to hear. I think it's also because I know that we have psychologists who do follow us on Twitter and they are listening to the podcast. We've had a couple reach out to us already. And I think it's just important for people to understand and to keep these different things in mind. So specifically speaking to psychologists, there are so many different dynamics in the way systems function that I think it's just something important for them to be aware of. So we do know so many systems that have these these internal families in a sense, and it is a family tree to where there are, there are some who are mother or father figures, and then there are some that don't fully communicate with the majority of the system, and they're more on the outskirts of things because they yeah, just serve a sure. different purpose. And that, that's actually true for my system as well. I actually have a part that does does assist between some of those divides. Like she literally, and not literally, but you know what I mean. She she runs around in my head back and forth between these different groups. Like, hey, this is what she said. Hold on one second. Okay, that's what he said. Okay, hold on one second. And then she like takes a breather because she's exhausted. <laughs> yeah. and it's, it's funny. And I only more recently found out about that specific part. Um, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't say... Sh- it's because... So for the people who aren't aware, because I'm not entirely sure how much of that mess up I'm going to keep, but if I do, um, several of my parts, we were able to speak with Kevin and company when we were up in Barrie, Ontario. So they're very excited to talk to him again. (laughs) So there's this switchy madness going on in my brain. Um, which I know you understand that because yeah, I'm being really switchy right now because uh, right. yeah, Bree is really excited. Cole is like jumping and like everybody's <laughs> bouncing. So like Erica, oh yes, we want to talk to them. Yeah, well, everybody. <laughs> yeah, it is based more in education purposes. We do keep some of these different things in there so people understand. Like the the previous episode, we were talking about that with our friend Jesse, who was on it. The beginning of that is exactly what happened. Like they get excited to talk to certain people. So there are some complications. And that speaks exactly to the need and the, the necessity, almost a requirement that you have to be willing to talk to each other. Communication is one of the most important things, I think, to get figured out for a system. And then again, specifically for doctors, you need to try and help your patients figure that out if they have a dissociative disorder, specifically DID. It's it's tricky. <laughs> yeah, it's super tricky, and things are all intermingled, and like some parts know things, some parts don't. Right. You do, you it's a lot. Like that family tree that I described, it right. took me a long time to figure that out. And to just, like, I had all the names, sort of like, if anybody's seen the L word, that, like, yeah. huge board with all the names on it. Yep. Yeah, that was me uh, trying to figure out what was going on with everybody because people seem to know each other. And I was like, how did you not, how did I not know about anybody? Yeah. You know, like, how, what happened, right? So, like, just knowing that people know each other and, like, the relationships between them is, is super important I feel because you know how to better communicate or to moderate conversation that is going on and for me to do that is my journal like I realized that 
I had a small notebook, which I wrote little things to alters and they wrote back. But I realized that, you know, the lines were too small for the kids. And there was lines, so I couldn't draw. So people weren't communicating with me and I didn't understand why. So I got a new journal, like just trying to really problem solve and to try and figure out how to do those things, you know, like what works for you. Yeah, absolutely. That's so important. That's, and if you follow us, you know, we preach that to death, (laughs) but that is a major key factor. Having that realization though is, is awesome too for you because now you know, like, okay, so without these lines bother someone who wants to draw or they bother you because you want to you want to sketch in there you don't want the lines through the pages but having just those little things can really open up communication for us i think you know that we have that the binder that we use where each parts have different sections each of my parts have a different section that they can use to sketch or draw or communicate write whatever it is that they want to share and that's the same thing. I have parts that hate using lined paper. So loose leaf paper with three hole punches is in there now as well. And then just different little, like those plastic sleeves that they can slide things that they've drawn that they want to share or they want to keep stored somewhere but not have up in our room. Because we're on Skype right now for those who don't know. So we're in video chat. And you can see this just massive chaos and paintings and stuff all <laughs> over my room behind me. And on the flip side, you see my room who's full of paintings and art. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You see all the different art and stuff. Plants. Yeah. And then the plants and yeah. And it's, it's pretty common for people with DID is that there's just, yeah. there's typically this, this outlet that people find whatever type of art it is. So I, myself, I'm not a very good artist. I write though. And I use spoken word for different things. Because I can be articulate other than today for some reason because I just can't find words today. But I typically speaking am articulate. And then I have other parts that they they paint. They use acrylic or oil or watercolor. And I can't use watercolor at all. It's comical how terrible it is when I try. But there's so many different outlets. And it's about, like you had said, Kevin, it's about finding finding what it is that works for you. Finding what it is that works for each of your parts, your alters, your system, your system as an individual, but then everybody. Individually. Individually. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Because everybody's so completely different. Like I just, Mm -hmm. it's a lot to manage, especially with even just gender and sexuality. It's, it's going to be tough. Sure. Trying to date again and doing that sort of thing. Like I'm not, I don't even know if one person could even work for everybody, to be honest. Right. We hear that a lot from people within the DID community. And that's why so many are in the poly community. Yeah. We had found, uh, going back to Brittany really quick, we had found her channel because someone within the DID community had sent us a link to someone she knows, uh, Evie, Evie Lupine. She's another educator on YouTube about BDSN things and that. But we had found Brittany through Evie, and specifically both of them through the DID community. So there, there is overlap within polyamory and then DID because I think it's just the structure of certain things and then the requirement of that open communication just really works for people. The laying out of boundaries and then the spelling out of what it is that you need from someone in a relationship like that. I think it really works for people with DID. Yeah, it really, yeah, it works. And it also works for people. I find a lot of people who are non-binary find themselves in that community too. So it's for me, it's just easier 
to manage more people than one. <laughs> so it's kind of funny, but it is. It's just yeah. easier. It's how it's comfortable for me, really. Right. Back to back to some of those terms. Can you explain non-binary to people listening? Non-binary is somebody who is not male or female, either in between or one day a male, one day female, one day like just it's an umbrella term that means not male, not female exclusively. Sure. Sure. Thank you. I know that some people listening would be like, well, what's. What are you you talking about? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So we just just like to make sure that terminology is defined for people. And then specifically defined for people by who we're talking to. Because it may mean certain things, certain terms mean something specific. And there's a reason for certain things specifically for individuals. So again, we just like to make sure that people get the chance to define that. Yeah, a little highlight with LGBTQ terms is that they are so dependent on the person. Like, right. example, the word queer could mean something completely different to someone else. Right. Like, I use it to define myself if I don't feel the need to describe myself in full detail. Right. With all those terminologies, I just like, oh, you know what? I'm just not cisgendered, which means male. If I were born male, assigned male at birth, and I identify as male, that is cisgendered. Right. So if I'm not that, And so I just say, you know, I'm just queer, you know, I'm just Mm -hmm. kind of not heteronormative. So, you know, what hetero is, I suppose. So we don't have to define that. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and hope that anyone listening is going to understand that term. If you don't, I don't know how to help you. (laughs) It's just important to explain some of those things to people because then they understand more where you're coming from. Because that's something else that we talk about. If you don't, if somebody doesn't know something and they ask... No part of me is going to get angry with you. If we've already explained it to you and you're doing it to be an asshole, that's a different thing. But if it's something that you're not familiar with, then ask. And no part of me is going to be angry about that. And I don't know if you guys feel the same way. I imagine it would get irritating having to explain yourself Um, over and over and over. But at the same time, if someone doesn't know. The over and over thing, it gets draining. Yes. But it's... It depends who you ask. Some people are a little sassier about it. But if it comes from a place of completely, I have no idea, I don't know, I want to know, um, I'm open, I'm not judgmental right now. And I think that's the difference. Sure. I will tell you everything I can possibly, you possibly want to know. If that crosses any boundaries for me, Mm -hmm. I will let you know. Sure. I'll say, oh, I'd rather not. I think we experienced that, the same thing. You were with me when that happened. I don't know. We were eating and somebody asked a question and I didn't want to answer that question. I said, oh, I'd rather not. And then I just move on. I'm not offended. I'm not pissed off. I'm just, it's not something I want to answer. And that's all. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you have set up communication. You have set up healthy boundaries for yourself. And if there is a question you don't want to answer, you shouldn't have to answer it how the other person reacts to that that is now their business but not at all representative of of you or any shortcoming and i think that's i think that's just another one of those pieces that's just important to talk about because to be i don't have a lot of experience speaking with many people who who identify as non-binary now we know all sorts of different people in the lgbtq plus community but not who have disclosed to us that they would identify as non-binary so i think 
I think having some of these open conversations is really important because I just, I value words and communication definitions over most things. Because I think it's important for people to have an understanding because then the more people understand, the less of these repetitive questions you get asked. <laughs> yeah, if that for makes sure. Sense. <laughs> the less I have to, you know, work and, you know, right. it's, it takes energy. Like, even though it's, it's not harmful, it does take up energy and it, it takes a toll after it happening all the time, Absolutely. you know? Yeah. So I'd rather just start with explaining myself and as comfortable as I am, like as, you know, if I say some big umbrella term, well then I just don't really want to talk about it, but right. I'd rather people then be like, Oh, well I read this thing on the internet. I'm like, great, <laughs> great. You know, like awesome. tell me if it works, you know, like right. I'll tell you how it works for me. And at least you're out there and you're looking and you're reading. And if you don't understand something like try, just, just try and Google it, you know, mm -hmm. just try and understand the definition. If you don't understand the definition, I will gladly explain it to you. Right. That makes perfect sense to me. I explain a lot of the same thing for people who come to us with no understanding of DID or system structure or all of the endless, exhaustive questions about that. <laughs> yeah, so I get a double whammy for me. Yeah, so. you've, got, you've got the double whammy, yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but exhaustive, like you're saying. Have you ever heard of, have you ever heard of spoon theory? Yes. You know, where you hit, that's, that's exactly what I was picturing when you were talking that's about that. That's exactly what I'm referring to, so. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> where you just, you only have so many spoons to give, and then if you're being asked these repetitive questions, even in your daily life, you run out of spoons quick. So, do you want to discuss a little bit about, or do you, do you mind sharing a little bit about some of your, your diagnosis with our listeners? When, when you were actually diagnosed, how you found help? Because that's a big question that we yeah. just get asked a lot. Like, how does anybody with DID ever find help? Yeah, for sure. I, you know, early teens started, you know, depression, anxiety, and then later on realized my psychiatrist after a stay at the hospital for a couple of weeks said borderline personality disorder. So then I was on a list and I waited and I did dialectical behavioral therapy. Okay. So that really helped, honestly, for every part of me. It really helped to reduce, as I call, stupid shit. <laughs> <laughs> <It's there. laughs> you know, just stuff that I shouldn't, ineffective behaviors, it decreased that so much. And then after that, I'd been seeing a therapist and a psychiatrist, you know, simultaneously for about, I have to say, four years, three years and a half on medication with psychiatrists and then doing talk therapy with my psychologist. So I was doing that. And then in the middle, I did DBT. So you're not allowed to see other professionals because it just messes with the therapy. With the so process, I took a little yeah. break uh, for seven months because I got a month extension. So when I came back from that, I came back to my therapist and everything was seeming fine. You know, like everything was kind of good. And she said, you know what? I think I think you're good. I think you just need to apply these sort of skills you've learned. And because I was really well versed in them, I was trying my best. She was just like, just keep doing that. You know, you're awesome. Just go ahead. But then I had some troubles with I discovered Brie maybe two months after I you know, quote unquote, graduated from seeing my psychologist. Yeah. And I really struggled a lot with Brie and fighting with Brie. And just because of the relationship we were in, 
I knew about DID because of, you know, the media sort of US of Terra, which I was mm-hmm. watching as an early teen, you know, like I knew about DID. Right. So it kind of clicked for me like, hey, there's some things that are happening that I can't really explain or things that are happening to my body that I don't want to happen with mm-hmm. a partner, but Brie obviously wanted to happen. Mm-hmm. So I told my psychologist and I said, hey, I texted her out of the blue, like, hey, discovering alters uh, help. And then she uh, she said, come on back. I know about alters. You know, I, I, I'm well-versed in this. We can work on this. So I was lucked out. I lucked out so much. But yeah. she formally worked. She's a private practice in Canada. There's like, you know, private and then covered and then sure. through a hospital. Right. So she right. had formally worked at the hospital where I took DBT, which is a huge hospital in my area. And she was one of the only people who worked with people with alters. So okay. with DID. So me telling her, like, it was a huge relief. I knew that she would do it because she tried to do part work with me before but okay I mean yeah. some other part Daniel was like yo fuck this like I can't <laughs> no <laughs> it's not happening yeah. so it was interesting to see that we did a little bit of part work and to see the sheet that she had mm-hmm. from then to now when I started discovering more alters right they matched up mm-hmm. I didn't remember telling her the parts right two years three years ago but they matched up Mm -hmm. she would be like oh there's a 16 year old teen and then like cole's like i'm 17 it matched (laughs) up like a year later yeah it was it was some that was a lot for my brain to process but yeah and telling my psychiatrist i recently told her last time i saw her you know i have these issues and you know parts and i've been working hard on it with my psychologist and She's just like, all right, do you just keep doing what you're doing? You're doing great with the journal. Like I, I read a lot of, uh, I read a lot of like, you know, blogs and, you know, just inform myself in the way that my parts and I knew how to do, which is books and, and looking on social media and just finding people who live with this mm-hmm. because I knew how to do that from having borderline personality disorder. Right. I knew how to do all those things so I did it again for DID and mm-hmm. I did it again for being trans and I did it again for being you know like I'm used to this You're rhythm, an expert so I I'm resourceful I'm used right. to looking up what I need to look up that's how it worked out for me the funny thing is the psychologist before I you know went to her I looked her up online like that's how I found her out and uh, she was one of the only ones who had LGBT friendly and I looked and I saw personality disorder I was like oh you know what like that's interesting you know like I I didn't it didn't click to me that I would have all the things that she's listed that she helps on her website right but I did like I just feel so lucky and so like grateful for her because it was part of parts of me would have caught on to what the whole description on her website was right Right, because so, they were they were probably they watching or par- participating me. in that. They picked they picked her out for you in a sense, yeah. Yeah, and I totally like I stuck on to the LGBT thing. I didn't want to have those repetitive questions asked to me. Right. In therapy. Right, because yeah. if you're trying to teach your doctor about who you are, that's complicating I mean, things. 
which I sort of done, but she's done her own research. Like, right, absolutely. She has a clear understanding of things, the terminologies, the way it works, all these different different issues that may come up because of that. So bullying potentially that I'm using yeah, that absolutely. as a, I'm using that as a basic description, but there's a there's different types of bullying. So yeah, like part parts of me picked her out because of that. Parts of me picked her out because of, of uh, you know borderline or personality disorders. Wasn't sure what it was. Mm-hmm. I picked her out because of LGBTQ stuff because that experience. is where you know I would say a lot of my trauma lives in that area. I've been affected by that. Right. So it's, it's funny how we picked her out as a collective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense though. Really quick, we're coming to the end here. Can you can you just define and explain a little bit about DBT to people who are wondering about that sort of therapy? Yeah, so DBT is it's, it's the basis to have a life worth living. Right. So a life it's to decrease impulsivity and uh, you know fluctuating moods and things that are associated with borderline personality disorder. So it really helps with you know crisis intervention. You know, like direct crisis, like you're freaking out. These are some skills you can do. And then there's interpersonal relationship skills. So you're working with how to talk to people, how to get what you what you want, and how to get the other person to get what they want, you know, compromising and doing that. And then there's, you know, other components that just, it's kind of like how to people happily you know how to be a person happily if you don't necessarily have those skills taught to you or you didn't live in an environment that fostered those skills you learn them in that so you practice every week there's a portion is you know talk therapy with with your counselor and also a group therapy so you work and you go through homework and home and worksheets and compare, you know, how you dealt with situations and how you could deal with situations in the future. So it's, it's very informative and intense, but right. very good. Right. Yeah, that's, that's great. And that was a, that was a really good description. Thank you. Cause I, uh, that's another thing that people talk a lot about is DBT. That is something that I wanted to kind of pick apart a little bit. So thanks for explaining that so well. Because I know that a lot of people have questions about that. They're like, well, what exactly is it? How do you, what's the goal? That sort of thing. So you explained that well. Thank you. We're at the end here. Can you go ahead and share with everyone where they can find you and your system on social media? All right. I'm on Twitter at one little pill. So O-N-E-L-I-L-P-I-L-L. So that's where I can be found. So yeah, it was great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today. All right. Thanks again for everybody who listened to us talk to Kevin and company. Once again, you can find them on Twitter at one little pill and thank you for joining us. We'll see you guys later. Bye. I have my own rogue gallery in a Batman in disguise. I have a tragic story and some people I despise I have my villains, names and shadow and the signs that women sue I have a history so hollow and a story to tell you Eventually our hero boy forgets and breaks away His mind wasn't meant for this, he's lying, he ain't okay Eventually our hero boy will forget he has a soul And eventually our hero boy, his heart will take the toll 
Eventually our hero boy will take what he has known. He'll use his newfound strengths to let you know you're not alone. Smile again, getting there was quite a bad but he's okay now. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Lee and Me podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you're listening on if you enjoy the show. Big thanks to Adam from Compulsive Inc. This is his original song, Rogue. Adam is a member of the DID community that reached out to us via Stevie's call for musicians on Twitter. So go check out Compulsive Inc. on YouTube via the link in the description box below. Thanks again for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye!